back. It's hour number two. We are live. We are in the Las Vegas. Well, not the Las Vegas. The Mandalay Bay Convention Center, as a matter of fact. But we're in Las Vegas, and uh, we are here at the Media Center. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Veterans America, the top VA lender for home buyers, whether it's zero down payment, no PMI, looser credit requirements, government guarantee. Own the land you defend. And if you're anywhere in the state of Wisconsin, give our buddy James a call, 262-745-3333, 262-745-3333. He's the guy to get a hold of, and he can really help you out if you're a veteran, military member, or a family member. And uh, make sure you give him a, give him a shout. We got Matthew Collar here uh, from the Purple Insider. Also has a uh, a book out. Uh, what's the book? It's uh, NFL Inside the Numbers. It is called Football is a Numbers. Football game. is yeah. a Numbers game. I had to make sure I got that yes. right. Football yes. is a Numbers, and I got it wrong. Football is a Numbers game. So now, is it why write the book? Is is it because of all the new analytics that have come out? Yeah. So uh, it was a really um, kind of a random thing that in 2018, I met the owner of Pro Football Focus and he gave me a little background on where they came from. And my mind was blown. I was like, what? Uh, it turned out that he was from England and he was a football fan, just a mm-hmm. random football fan. But because there weren't many of his friends who liked American football, he started looking on message boards, and things like that, and eventually got kind of obsessed with the numbers and started doing his own tracking and built a little team just for complete fun right just just because they wanted to understand american football better and uh then the new york giants contacted them about the stuff that they had been posting on the website pff or what was profootballfocus.com and they started to build it as a company from there and then you know it, it had pretty humble beginnings you know it had a couple of team contracts that they were just doing like snap counts for teams and stuff like that but then the nfl and analytics started to explode with the connection between both of them especially in 2007 with the Philadelphia Eagles, which is the cover of my book, which is Zach Ertz catching a touchdown. Well, that play was influenced by PFF data that they that their coaching staff had discovered the New England defense did not cover a particular concept very well. And so I was like, I, I need to look into this even more because right. Peter King wrote an article about that. And I'm like, I need to. And once I started to dive into where analytics had gone, we mostly think of it as fourth downs. Fourth downs are analytics, mm-hmm. but. What I discovered is it goes so, so, so much farther than that in the NFL, and it's influencing every single play that you see on Sunday. Well, now it's like uh, you hear the term, you got to win on first down. Mm-hmm. And first and second down set up third down. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's all about short sticks and yardage, and, you know, it, it's all the stuff that you get into. But it's amazing how it's gotten into snap counts of players of who wins on what play against what defense against what pressure whether it's an offensive lineman defensive lineman sack sack rate pressure rate you know and then containment is part of that as well it's 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 so much deeper and it's funny because the average fan suddenly has become so much more intelligent oh, yeah. in watching oh, yeah. the game Absolutely. And no question about it. And even the public data that we have is now pretty deep, like you're saying. I mean, even if you don't like the PFF grades, which, you know, I think there's a deeper conversation there about players how to don't. use them. Players don't. So, unless well, you're highly rated, yeah, players don't like I was going like to say it. yes and no, because the owner of PFF has multiple jerseys in his house that players signed and sent him as a thank you for PFF highlighting what they and did. That's, that's Chris, so, right? Yeah. Uh, well, so part of it was Chris, Chris owns it now, yeah. but the founder 
Shearer was uh, Neil Hornsby. Okay. So that's that's the guy who was in England and event, right. event, invented it. But it usually depends on whether they have good grades or not, as whether they like them or they don't. Uh, but a lot of players actually use the PFF data to help themselves. Not necessarily the grades, but uh, a lot of the deeper data in terms of what concepts work for them, mm-hmm. uh, where they need to improve. And I, I talked to an offensive line coach for the book who would use their grades to look at how, say, like his offensive lineman was going against Vaughn Miller. So what what worked against Vaughn Miller that other offensive linemen did? So he looked at where the offensive lineman graded positively by PFF and then called up those plays on the film. And that's really the biggest thing is that it's not really analytics versus film or analytics versus coaching. It's really inside of the game how they all tie together and right. how you use them together. Um, but from the outside perspective, I, I think that the grades have shined a lot of light on a lot of players that maybe were underappreciated or underrated, but they're not like a be-all, end-all. If a guy grades a 73, it doesn't mean he's just a 73. We need to ask how he was used. Was he healthy? What, was he better or worse than the previous year? And right. why all those things happen and how that ties into the bigger context of the team because it is a team sport. It, it's it's interesting you say that because when you say it's, it's about how you get graded, it's because there are certain things that don't show up statistically yeah. in, yep. the bo- in the finished box score. You know, you look at a guy that's an edge rusher, but yet I watch, say, like Kansas City, and I watch some of these games where you just want, like Kansas City's defense just wanted to contain Lamar Jackson. It wasn't about getting to him mm-hmm. in second. They were just literally dancing with the offensive lineman. He was not going to burn them on the outside. Now, there's no statistic that's going to tell you this guy did anything because they're going to say he didn't have a sack. Right. That's what the first fan's going to say. But you look at it and you say, no, he did exactly what he did. They kept a little horseshoe around him. He wasn't allowed to get outside and really do things like off script and improvise, and I thought it was a masterful game plan. Yeah, no, that, that's a really, really good example of just like how every single number that we have or grade that we have we have to work with the other information that we know to make an assessment so in that game maybe chris jones doesn't have a lot of pressures right right but maybe he had two and they were on third downs and they were in big situations that in a bigger you know context is not really going to show up that he had a great game now maybe a pff grader understands what you're talking about strategy wise a little bit better um but every single number that we're looking at always needs to be worked with. And and a lot of times, what I've found just from covering the Vikings and using PFF grades is they can really direct me toward things that I don't necessarily catch when I'm covering a game. So when I go back and look and it's like, what? This says the fullback had a great game. Like I, I'm going to have to go back and watch. And then you go back. Oh, now I see what they're right. saying. And then I can bring a little bit more to the table. And I think uh, you know, with teams, the way that they use the grades is all over the map. But I had one NFL GM tell me that they like to use them as a comparison for their own grades. So in house. They'll be grading, obviously, every player, and they want to look, is there a gap? Did we miss something, or did PFF miss something? And and they said most of the time it does match up, but if there's a difference, then they're asking, what what did we miss or what did they miss? Because there is bias also in an offensive line coach grading his own players. Right. If he doesn't like one guy, or if he drafted one guy, uh, he might you know not exactly be as unbiased as PFF. So it's a really, it's added a, a totally new layer to coaching analysis, what we do for sure uh, on a day-to-day basis. And, and that's really why I wrote the book, because I thought this is so interesting how much this has changed from looking at the back of John Elway's uh, football card when I was a kid and going like, oh, why isn't his quarterback rating higher right. or something? <laughs> so look, I'm going I'm to bring up a, an example of a story 
that was, I can't use the guy's name, but he said he didn't believe in him because he felt guys had influence. Hmm. And we said, what do you mean influence? And he said, and this is a guy that was prominent. I mean, it is prominent. He always gets great grades. But he said, there's other guys out there that get, get influence. And I don't know if he meant money, if he was friends with somebody from PFF mm. or what. Can that happen where a guy gets a little bit, you know, or agents want to say, hey, boost my guy up? and I, you know, Because I would assume they would try to do that because if their guy's highly rated, mm. yep, yep. then he can go out and make a little bit more money in the open market. Yeah. So, well, I would say a few things there. I mean, one, if that was a problem, I think that they would have a lot more difficulty working with all 32 teams. Right. If, if you were trying to spin and skew stats, then I think that they would really diminish the trust that teams have for them. But the other thing is that they've built in layers to deal with this very problem. So they don't have one person look at a game, grade it, and then that's it. That's what shows up on PFF.com. A person will grade the game, but then it goes to, I guess you could call it like a team or a little cross-checking committee of a couple of people. Usually it's former players or former coaches. very intricate. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's another thing that I found out, too, because when they first started... Part of the criticism was, well, this is some random English guy grading again. And it was. Right. (laughs) And that criticism was fair. But now, for example, if you're grading a quarterback, you're going to have one person who's been trained on their system that may or may not have been a former coach or or a player, but they're going to grade the game. And then it's going to go to, recently it was Bruce Gradkowski, who used to play in the NFL. And he would cross-check the grade. So he's watching everything back, every plus and minus play, and he's confirming, okay, I agree with that or I don't agree with that, and some grades can get changed in that cross-checking. So if there was one grader who was, say, like, I don't know, a big Vikings fan, and he kept giving Aaron Rodgers terrible grades because he can't stand him, the cross-checker would see that, and also they would probably fire the person. And and so the thing is, even to get in the door as a grader, there is a, a whole process. They'll take hundreds of applicants, and they give them games that they've already graded that Bruce Gradkowski or a former player or coach has graded, and they will compare them, and they'll only take the best people at grading it similar to the coach or the former player. That's even to get in the door to do a Toledo game, much less to be doing, and it's like they're more experienced player uh, people graders. So I think what people don't realize is that, and they have it posted somewhere on their website, but people don't go deep diving into it. So I think that if someone was biased in in what they were doing, they would notice how it wasn't matching up with their cross-checkers, and they would probably try to get rid of that person. Uh, I I do got to ask you, because you had mentioned a couple of times the Vikings, so what the hell? At what point? Great question. And again, because, you you know, you had, we all thought, and I, at the beginning of the season, I said, look, I I thought the Vikings were going to be, for what they did offensively last year, Mm -hmm. winning all those games by one score, I thought... You're either going to take the step forward, and you're the real deal, or you're going to take the step back. And they took the step back. And then, obviously, Kirk Cousins gets hurt, and the rest is history. So, first of all, you've got the Lions that have now ascended. Mm-hmm. Nobody thought the Packers would be what they ended up being. You're still waiting to see what the, what, what's going to happen with you know with, with the, the Chicago Bears. But where does Minnesota lie in all this stuff? Yeah, I mean, that is really the question that we're asking every day in Minnesota is, like, when you look at their situation at quarterback, I mean, this is really a crossroads for the organization as a whole because if they bring back Kirk Cousins, what I can't wrap my head around is how you're going to compete with Jordan Love, who to me is instantly more dangerous than Kirk Cousins as a quarterback because he can make plays off schedule. And now you're dealing with a Lions offense that is top-notch, top five. And a Chicago 
Chicago Bears team that's about to draft number one and number nine overall. Like, this doesn't sound like bring a veteran quarterback back and try to run it back. Now, in 2022, when the division was down, you could make that argument. So then you're saying, like, are you going to draft a quarterback, take a step back? But can you really do that after a 7-10 and 10 season? Like, then we start getting into hot seat territory if you don't the, draft the right say, does guy, that put right? Your, does that put the head coach in a lurch? Because it's not, it's not his fault. Right. So to speak. No, entirely. And they're still undoing sort of the damage of the past. We talk about the salary cap all the time and how, like, the previous regime pushed all the chips to the middle of the table to try to get back to the NFC Championship and failed. And that hurt them for years with all those sort of win now type of signings and decisions and the, the way they spent their money. And so they've been kind of trying to undo that on the fly while remaining competitive because they have Justin Jefferson and they have a good offense. But if you have back-to-back really tough seasons, if you draft Bo Nix, number 11 overall, and then, you know, rookies are struggle at times, and they don't have a good all-around roster. You, their defensive line right now has Harrison Phillips under contract, and that's it. Mm. Nobody else wow. under contract on their defensive line, because Daniil Hunter is a free agent. And, like, how are you going to rebuild that? Their right. secondary has got problems. Their top linebacker, Jordan Hicks, is a free agent. Like, they have holes all over this roster. So if you start a rookie with a roster with lots of holes, I mean, you might be talking about winning five or six games. Yeah. And can you survive that? Now, I think if if you're a good ownership, you can see the bigger picture. And you could say, look, bringing back Cousins is destined to go 8-9 and nine or 9-8, nine and eight, probably miss the playoffs or barely make it, get eliminated in the first round. That's what we've been doing for years. What's and paying the point a lot of, that? of money. Exactly, and exactly. And, you know, if you're going to pay, Kirk Cousins shouldn't take anything less than $40 million per year. Well, how are you going to do that? build the whole rest of the roster, and by the way, he tore his Achilles, and he's 36. So, like, I can't wrap my head around why it would be a good idea to bring Cousins back, other than exactly what you're talking about. That pressure on everybody when you have a down season, they all feel it. Well, now, well, we got to bring back Kirk and make sure we don't have a bad season. Sometimes you have to have a bad season in order to get yourself back in the right direction. That's what I'm kind of wondering what direction they're going to go. Do they try to run it back? Because, like you said, salary cap-wise, they're kind of pressing. Uh, and and you, the worst place in the world to be is stuck in the middle, uh-huh. and that's exactly where they are right now. And they got exactly. That, that's why I'm wondering. You know, are you going to tell Vikings fans again? Oh, by the way, we've now watched the Lions pass us, and we have to kind of tear it down to rebuild it. I mean, how do you swallow that if you're a Vikings fan? Yeah, and, and what they're really paying for is falling behind in the rebuild race because they tried when they hired Kevin O'Connell, and they won 13 games out of it. But then they got eliminated by the New York Giants in the playoffs. It was kind of all for nothing and you mentioned all the one score games it was i don't like to and say cousins at 40 million with one playoff win under his belt his entire right, career right, one right. now it's a the ultimate team sport but one no, that's true no i mean think about this baker mayfield has more home playoff wins than kirk cousins i mean that's, i mean it, it when you start running down the stats it's wild think about this the Philadelphia Eagles have as many wins inside U.S. Bank Stadium in the playoffs as the Minnesota Vikings yeah. do since it opened. Like, you can't keep doing the same thing. You've gone through six years of Kirk Cousins. And what has it meant? What has it meant? Maybe one, one and a half competitive seasons where you were really like a contender going into the playoffs. That's not what you're aiming for. And now 
that you've fallen so far behind in this race because you decided to push the chips to the middle of the table in 2022. Now you got to find a way to catch up. By the way, these teams are young. The Packers, I don't know if you guys have heard, the youngest team yeah. in the league, every single broadcast. That drives me nuts because <laughs> you, you got rid of Mason Crosby, who was yeah. over 40. Yeah. Rodgers, who was closing in on 40. <laughs> right. Mercedes Lewis, Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard. Yeah. You know, and then you're going to get even younger when Bakhtiari's officially off the roster. But you got, it wasn't like they drafted 20 guys right. all of the age of 20. Right. You know what I mean? It was, they got young because they cut dead wood off the tree. Right, right. But it is a compliment to, is. to where it the is. Packers are yeah. at. And, and if you're considering with the Vikings, like, how do you get back in that race when look at all the players that Brad Holmes just drafted in Detroit? The Pro Bowl is full of them. All these guys they've drafted in the last couple of years. And the only way to really get there, I think we all know, is in the NFL, sometimes you have to take a step back. It doesn't mean tanking. It means taking a long-term view, which the antithesis of that is bringing back Kirk Cousins and hoping you can barely make the playoffs. That's where I think that Kwesi Adafo the Vikings GM, would want to do that. And everything that... Uh, they've talked about since they got here sort of aligns to drafting a quarterback right now. But you want to hear the ironic thing, the classic Vikings thing, a team that's never drafted a top 10 quarterback. The the irony about this is the Josh Dobbs mania, the couple of weeks of Josh Dobbs fun, <laughs> cost them being fifth or sixth in the draft. So right. now instead of being in that Jaden Daniels range, now you're watching the Senior Bowl going like, can I squint and make Bo Nix a quarterback? Right. Like, And that's that's a tough place to be because then it's like, do you do you try to get Baker Mayfield here to bridge to another year? Like, when are you going to get this guy? And and here the Packers are just doing yeah. it again with Jordan Love. It's amazing. You got to put. <laughs> I mean, I hope it's I hope it's a real deal. I want to mm-hmm. see two years and then I can go. Okay, I'm firmly believe. Mm-hmm. But man, he made a lot of believers out of a lot of people, and I was one of the biggest skeptics out there. And. Uh, Man, uh, just for what he did and the way he operated the offense, I mean, it was amazing. Let me tell you, when when I walked out of Lambeau uh, in uh, week eight, I was like, "Mm, I don't know. These Packers are in a tough spot right now. I I mean, I was thinking they should sell everybody who's over 30 and and try to, like, rebuild everything. And then, uh, you know, the next few weeks, everything just clicked for Jordan Love. But what makes me think that uh, it is the real deal with him is, I mean, of course, you know, the arm tail and everything else. But I loved his maturity. I I just love the way he handled this. It's so hard. Look at, like, a Zach Wilson and, like, how many players struggle and then just melt I mean, to battle through those struggles, he had a terrible game against the Vikings. Brian Flores was, uh, you know, making his head spin. And to bounce back from that and then face that same defense again and throttle them at U.S. Bank yeah. Stadium, I was like, when, when a guy can make improvements like this, show maturity, like you said, operate the offense, throw the ball where it's supposed to go, be on the same page as his head coach. And it seemed like LaFleur did a good job as the season went on understanding what he was good at. And then arm talent. I mean, you just can't replace that. The throw he made for a touchdown at U.S. Bank Stadium off his back foot that traveled about 50 yards in the air. I was like, this is going to be a problem for a long time, folks. I don't know what to tell you. I cannot I cannot spin this in any positive way for you Vikings fans. That's bad. Yeah, no doubt. Well, it's, Matthew, it's called Football is a Numbers Game yep. is the book. And uh, they got the Purple Insider that they can find you on as well. Yep, yep. Uh, And uh, obviously you're still hoping one day that, that you'll be here. You know, someday, someday. <laughs> it's not going to be soon, I I fear, but someday. Thanks for stopping by, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Great, Great to meet stuff. you in person. Yes, finally. Uh, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stay right where you are. We got more of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Ready? This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. 
96.7 FM, 1670 AM, The Zone. Welcome back. Good to have you. The Bill Michaels Show. We are live. We are in Las Vegas. Good to have you. And our friends at Master Z's, they say, hey, look, if you're getting ready for the big game, this is the way to do it. You stop in a Master Z's or you give them a call for all the in-store specials, 262-746-5931. Say you got uh, friends and family coming over this weekend. You're going to put uh, something together and you want something more. Maybe you want a shuffleboard. Maybe you want dartboards. Maybe you want a pool table. See it today. Get it tomorrow. That's kind of their motto. So whether it's bars, bar stools, pool tables, shuffleboard, pumper tables, dartboards, all the accessories, they've got something for everybody. And I know the weather uh, there in Wisconsin is pretty much the same as it is here. Uh, maybe a little bit colder there, but uh, we're 52, 53 degrees. We got some drizzle going on right now. Not a whole lot happening, and uh, it, it, it's kind of you know. But uh, I know that uh, we're going to be sitting in front of the TVs and watching a game coming up this weekend. So if you want something for the family, for the friends, for the fun, that is our friends at Master Z's. Master Z's on Blue Mountain Road in Brookfield. Call them two six two seven four six fifty nine thirty one two six two seven four six fifty nine. 31. That is Master's Ease on Blue Mound Road in Brookfield. Man, uh, two fast guys right out of the shooting, Eric Eager and uh, Matt Collar joining us. And uh, today, the rest of the way, Grant, is kind of easy. We uh, oh. Hopefully we get uh, Maggie Gray. Maybe she'll swing by a little bit later and we can say hi to her and she can give us the uh, Aaron Rodgers fatigue New York uh, perspective. I would love the perspective from someone who just did a season covering with, that. with the ups and downs yes. of Rogers covering yeah. that and, really cool. and just to, to talk a little bit about that but but like I said I've known Maggie for we were in New York and that's when they had the Super Bowl between the Broncos and the Legion of Boom and the Seattle Seahawks and Seattle killed the Broncos wow. and killed them I mean crushed them that was Peyton Manning's first year and they thought they were going to go to a Super Bowl and just win it and their offense was high flying that was the it, the Percy Harvin touchdown yes. kick return out of halftime right and um it was really weird because it, New York, they didn't. It, it New Yorkers hated it having it there. They hate. They didn't want us there. They gatekeep New York. Yes, they. Uh, first of all, Times Square was shut down. Fox was the broadcast team, and they they put astroturf and a football field in the middle of Times Square, so all the traffic had to be diverted. So they hated that. Uh, they would not readjust for the media center uh, because the Westminster dog show was going on and they said no we're not changing our date we're not moving it yeah uh radio city and the rockettes and everything uh, that we were supposed to go to they remember years ago they would not give the nfl a break so the nfl that's when they pulled the nfl draft it used to be at uh, radio city there and the Mm -hmm. rockettes and the whole thing so the nfl would not go back there so we got relegated to uh, a room half this less than half this size yeah in the sheridan hotel ballroom <laughs> and it was tiny and sheridan yeah the sheridan hotel right there near times square and you'd leave you'd walk outside and it was it was bizarre because you'd walk up and down the street with your media badge you know and, and you just forget to take it off throughout the day whatever and uh, all of a sudden, next thing you know, there's people going, uh, when are you leaving? When are you, why are you here? When are you leaving? And it was just, it was bizarre. They never wanted us there. That's New York for, hey, how are you doing today? Exactly. That's, that's, but yeah. she was working with Sports Illustrated at the time. And SI, mm-hmm. CNN, SI was next to us. And we became friends. And what they started doing, because they were getting everybody. They were getting A-listers. And what they would do is literally do the A-listers and then walk them to us. 
So we were getting the best of the best. And we all the Packers and stuff that we had, we were feeding them. And we ended up really working well together. And so Maggie's always been a friend. And every year it's like a it's like a reunion. And, you know, it's you see a bunch of people like uh, Moj and the gang from up in Vancouver, Canada. Uh, we'll get Moj on because they, they do pre and post for Seattle, but they do it for Canada. And so, really? yeah, but they cover uh, the BC Tigers and yeah, British Columbia and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and they probably pay attention to the Seahawks, oh, too, God, on yeah. top of the CFL. Oh, God, yeah. So... We'll get Moj to come over and, and give us his Canadian flavor a little bit. He's always invited <laughs> us up there whenever we want to go to Vancouver, Canada. He's, Have you ever been? He's like, never been, but the, apparently the fishing is real good, so I figure that might be up your alley. Well, I want to go because I, I, it would probably feel a lot like Lake Superior, like that whole. Yeah. I like going to bodies, and I like going to the ocean too, but like I would like to go to San Francisco for that reason or like. I like when I go on vacation. Like I like wearing a sweatshirt. I like being. <laughs> I like when it's a little cooler. Honestly, I don't. I don't like going unless it's to Florida. Then I'll just go and listen to Jimmy Buffett. That's that's all the vacation needs to be is just find a place to lay down and listen to Jimmy. So Buffett. yeah, but we'll, uh, we'll we'll scrounge around a few media people during the uh, the beginning part of the week, and then as the week rolls on, we've got uh, a whole. You know the list. How many? Well, yeah, day by day. So what I realize about Radio Row is not everyone's here right away. Right. You know, or if they're here right away, they're probably not here all week. Right. So. Uh, as the week goes along and it's, you know, looking at our guest list, it's busier and busier every day. It's more full every day. Right. Yep. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's about half full, maybe three quarter full, but usually day one is out of the 300 tables. You got maybe 40 or 50 that are full. There's a lot more full than that here today. And we knew Vegas was going to be big. Um, a lot of people started coming last year. Uh, it was a year out of COVID. It was a year out of quarantine and such. Yeah. And then this year, everybody said, well, if we didn't go to go to Arizona, we were going to gear up for Vegas. And the town is buzzing. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it was wild. And it was funny. Uh, we were telling a story uh, a little bit earlier to Evo, and I didn't get a chance to get into all of it. But Evo uh, asked about the – he was talking about the sphere mm-hmm. and about you, too. And uh, the first night here, Mike had texted and said, hey, uh, let's just go see. Mike didn't realize it was actually U2. He thought it was like the U2 Zoo that plays Wisconsin or something. He didn't, or maybe it was a movie of U2. He didn't realize U2 is actually the residency and they play the sphere. Uh, and he's like, well, let's just get tickets. We'll go. He's well, thinking they're 20 bucks. Well, that's what I didn't understand is the other night he's like, well, let's see what tickets are like. It's like, Mike, I think that's a, that's a whole thing. Thing. Like, you don't just, well, we'll just grab a couple tickets. We'll grab a few tickets. He's like, well, we'll go down there, check it out, and see what yeah. it's like. It's like, I don't, Mike, I don't think that's how it, I. He didn't realize it. Yeah. He, so he didn't realize it was YouTube, which <laughs> makes sense. So I, I took a snapshot. I, I went on to the, uh, the Sphere page, and I wanted to, to get tickets. The cheapest ticket that was still available was, uh, the minimum was $425 a ticket. And Mike said, yeah, I think we're going to go over to Fremont Street and walk around. Yeah, so, never mind. Never mind. I don't think that's going to happen. Looking is free over on Fremont that's, Street. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. Stick around. we got a lot more of the Bill Michael Show. We are broadcasting live here in Las Vegas. And we are live. We're here at the uh, at the uh, Mandalay Bay Convention Center. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Steel Tank Brewing on Roebrook Lane in Oconomowoc, right behind the Exonia Bank off of uh, 67. And uh, they're not open today. But Tuesday through Sunday, they're open for lunch. They have brunches on the weekend now. And Rally Point has been a huge success. Rally Point, uh, right there behind Steel Tank, the music venue is up, and it is first class all the way. 
all the way. It is an awesome place. It's an awesome venue. Just keep checking it out. Find Rally Point over on Facebook. You can find the website, Steel Tank Brewing Company, connected to it as well. But see all the different acts that are coming there, and it is first class all the way. It holds uh, about 350, 400 people, but... Man, what a magnificent venue they built. Steel Tank Brewing Company, the restaurant, the brew pub up front. Then you've got Rally Point in the back, right there on Roebrook Lane in Oconomowoc, right behind the Exonia Bank. we got more of the Bill Michael Show live in Las Vegas coming up right after. This is the Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back. The Bill Michaels Show. We continue on. I want to remind you, our friends at Epoxy Flooring Done Right, they bring us out here as well. And at Epoxy Flooring Done Right, they've been doing it a long time. And uh, best of all, it uh, it looks fabulous. Uh, whether it's your garage or it's, say, a gym or a basement like I had done, uh, you might be looking at your floor right now going, yeah, I'd like to uh, improve that if I possibly can. And if you can, give our guys over there at Epoxy Flooring done right. Sean and the gang can do it. 262-443-2852. The best part about it is they are local. They are based in the state of Wisconsin from Green Bay to Racine all the way out to Madison. Everything in between, they get it all done, and they do it at a reasonable cost. And, uh, God forbid, anything ever goes wrong, they're right here in the state of Wisconsin. They're right here for you to give them a buzz and get it fixed. A lot of companies uh, are not not based in Wisconsin. And they are, and that's a big selling factor for them because they're like, look, we're right here. If you ever have a problem, we can help you out. And uh, they have uh, redone a lot of jobs that others from out of state have done. So uh, because there's been problems and epoxy flooring done right, they get it all done. Get a hold of Sean, 262-443-2852, 262-443-2852. We were sitting here a little bit earlier uh, talking and I, I do want to kind of break away from the uh, the football chatter for just a minute. Last night, uh, you watched the Bucks just fritter away a big lead. Uh, and I, I got a couple of questions this morning about uh, from people that, that listen and from a couple of people that, you know, follow the game. And I'll tell you this. Uh, the question was, are you concerned? Yes. Yeah. That concerned very much. It, we thought at the time you might get a little bit of a bump. You might get a little rejuvenation. Uh, because of the Doc Rivers hiring, uh, letting Adrian Griffin go, that maybe it changes culture, maybe it changes attitude, maybe it changes you know energy, enthusiasm, whatever you want to call it, and it really hasn't. And and it's, I'm telling you, it's wash, rinse, repeat for this team. I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know if it's going to be a big win, a painful, ugly loss. It just seems like this team will play really good, much like they've done in years past for two and three quarters, and they will just completely pee away a quarter of a game and then have to battle and battle and battle, and ultimately they come up short, and they're in a funk. I don't know how else to put it. I don't know if it was something that, if there's a personality clash, if this, when they brought Dame in, remember, it was Giannis is the one that you had to look at and say, what does he want? And he said as long as they are committed to winning and winning championships, that he he wants to remain in Milwaukee. So they have done anything and everything they possibly could to make sure that he is happy, right? They keep Thanasis. Uh, obviously, they've kept some guys around him that he's really enjoyed playing with. And then you have to give up some good to get even better. And they picked up Damian Lillard. And it reminded me... 
years ago, the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, before they fired Andy Reid, they put this team together. It was the dream team. And, and they were talking about, you know, what, what game would they lose? They, they're not going to lose a game. And they proceeded to just play as poorly as poorly could get. Like, they just thought they were going to roll the helmets out and they were going to win football games. And it seemed like when Damian Lillard got here, that Damian Lillard, and I'm not blaming him, but it's like something chemistry-wise got defunct. And the belief was that Damian Lillard was going to be the the guy that just ultimately just puts them over top and kind of the straw that stirs the drink. And we all know that's Giannis's job, right? So who do you blame for where the Bucks are right now? Now, granted, they're still a 30-plus win team. They're still going to make it to the postseason. But how far are they really going to go? Because it's not with this team, it's not about getting to the postseason. It's about winning a championship. They've put this thing together to win a championship. So who's to blame right now? If you had to point at something and say, who is going to be a who, who is going to be the brunt of the blame? Do you look at Giannis and say, look, even you aren't playing the same level of defense that you used to play with the same care and concern? You know, the only guy that I see that just just balls out defensively every night is pretty much Brooke Lopez. You know, it, it, Pat Connaughton, you know, you'll see him play some defense, you know, hands and arms. You'll see a few guys, Bobby Portis, obviously, he's a board crasher at times. But what I've watched is, and I don't know if you can label it as laziness, I've never questioned any player's heart. Do you have the heart to do this? It's a will. It's a want to. Defensive prowess in the NBA is gone. And we were talking about this earlier when, uh, before the show even got started when we were out here because obviously people follow the numbers in Vegas and they bet certain numbers. And you look at the scoring in, in first quarters. You look at the scoring in first halves. Nobody plays any semblance of defense pretty much mid-third quarter going into the fourth. That's it. We've always known that, right? But there is now like an absolute effort attitude to do anything other than just score. There's no desire to crash a board, no desire to, to you know, box out an opponent, no desire to grab a rebound, no, none of that. And the Bucks are right now... I, it, they uh, look, and, and the only reason I care about this now is because everybody last year said, "Wait till they get to the postseason." Like they were just going to magically flip a switch, and it was just going to turn on, and it was going to become a grinder for four quarters, and they were going to ball out and win games in the postseason. And I said, "No, no, no, no. They're building a habit, and it's a bad habit." And we watched it. We watched it completely get frittered away last year. So, you know, a few of you over on the uh, on the live stream have brought up the Milwaukee Bucks and the funk that they are in and what's going on right now. Um, I, I, it's, it's, it, it, it's just not, not a good situation for Milwaukee. And it's, it's, I'll tell you this, it's, it's bad basketball. Am I lying over there, Grant? It's 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 not that it's unwatchable. It's just bad basketball. If you said it was unwatchable at times this year, I wouldn't blame you. It's been unwatchable for me. I, I think you asked who's to blame. I think the Adrian Griffin hire just, I mean, Bill was an awful hire. I, and I don't Did doubt. Did it derail the team? I think it made it really hard to be functional on a night-to-night basis. We talked about. 
balance, right? They need to be creative and willing to try things, and they need to right experiment because that's in the playoffs. You need to be able to do those things. But an NBA head coach also has to come in every day and for 82 games, like, have a baseline. Like, these are our principles. This is right. this is how we're going to get right. through our Monday to Friday. And I think Adrian Griffin's, like, 9 to 5 Monday through Friday was so bad. They didn't have a, they didn't have a foundation, so they couldn't build on anything. So, I, so I, now, in other words, they got used to the Adrian Griffin, we don't have anything to build on, and then when Doc comes in, you can't just crack the whip and all of a sudden no, start saying we got to do this. I don't think they got used to anything with Adrian Griffin because it was, it was that bad. I just think now it, it's like day one of the season all over again. So Doc is, is building it back up. And I don't think it'll take too long because Giannis and Damon Brooke, these guys are veterans. They've been in the league forever. So I don't think this is going to be a two-month process with Doc. But it, you know, What is it going to take, though? To not see such, I I don't know. I, I people get mad at me that that follow the NBA like real closely and say they're not lazy. I, I'm like, look, at times you, this year, yeah, they're lazy. They have been. They're lazy. It's a lazy. I should be able to roll the basketballs out and get a win basketball team. And I love the and I love the NBA. I have not enjoyed watching the NBA by and large this season. No, for the first time in a while, I've watched more college ball this year. Right. I'm I'm someone who actually. You know, Ebo gives me crap for it. He's probably laughing if he's listening right now. But like this year's been, it's been poor. Yeah. Um, but I've gone to two Bucks games this year where after the first quarter, the game was done. You know what I mean? Either the yeah. Bucks just said we're not going to win this game, we give up, or the other team said we're not going to win this game, give up. It's it's been a really clunky season. Yeah. It's it's my fear though is that everybody sits back, fans sit back, Bucks. You know, Bucks. You know, the the sixth man sits back and says, "We got this. Come the postseason, and it's going to be a wash, rinse, repeat of what we witnessed last year under Budenholzer." Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody's thinking that way, at least on the team right now, because I mean, they're they're bringing in a brand new coach, right? And yeah. and Damian Lillard's brand new, so they're they're basically starting their season brand new in the beginning of February, which is less than ideal. But it's a veteran team, which helps me hopefully think that it won't take that long. We are broadcasting live. We're out here in Las Vegas. We are in the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. Day one in the Media Center. Getting ready for Super Bowl. Coming up uh, in six days, you've got the Kansas City Chiefs, San Francisco 49ers, and we'll give you all the build-up and the fun and frivolity and everything that's going on out here uh, each and every day. Don't forget, coming up tonight, uh, we're going to do some social media tonight, but uh, you're going to catch a lot of this on the show tomorrow as well. It's opening night. Both teams are going to be introduced. We're going to be able to mix and mingle on the uh, stadium floor with a lot uh, of the, uh, the the players. Um, you know, the main players and such are going to be mic'd up, and they're going to be sitting in the booths in the boxes. But uh, all the other guys are going to be out roaming around, hanging out. So we're going to get a chance to meet with everybody, hopefully coming up a little bit later on this evening. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Looking forward to it. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Northern Lights Event Venue. Northern Lights Event Venue, whether it's a dinner, a wedding, say a rehearsal dinner, something like that, maybe a business event where maybe you're just getting your team together, a team-building event, or maybe you need to get down there, you kind of lay the law lay the law of the land down, and then you got to take everybody's new pictures and such. They have a photo studio in shop, in shop as well. Northern Lights Event Venue. Northern Lights Event Venue every Wednesday night in the summertime coming up as well. They're going to do some music again this year, but northernlightseventvenue.com. That's northernlightseventvenue.com. Stay tuned. we got more of the Bill Michael Show live in Las Vegas. Come- Covering Wisconsin sports like a blanket, this is The Bill Michael Show on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Good to have you back, The Bill Michael Show. We are live, we are in Las Vegas, and uh, we are on Radio Row at the Mandalay Bay Convention Center. 
and uh, kind of hanging out. Let's do this now. My buddy Bob Marjanovic is joining us from up in Vancouver. And uh, how you been, buddy? <laughs> Surviving? How does yeah. that sound? How? How? Because how, you got you've moved around a little bit. You've yeah. had obviously companies that have changed mm-hmm. and such. So what, fill me in. What do you still doing? A play by play for the BC Lions. Okay. Um, still doing pre and post for uh, for uh, Seattle. No. No. Really? Yeah, we uh, we stopped doing that, unfortunately. And that was a lot of fun doing all those Seahawks games. Yeah. For, man, I want to say it was probably like about eight, nine, ten years. Yeah. Where we would go down to Seattle, do all our right. pre and posts from um, Seattle. And then, of course, when they were on the road, we'd do them at a local establishment. But, mm-hmm. yeah, missing all those games in Seattle, that was a lot of fun. And Yeah, but, I mean, doing the CFL has been a blast. We still do the Grey Cup every year, do our yeah. show here at the Super Bowl. This is year number 23 for our show. Is so it really? 23 years. Like, it's funny. I was getting my credentials. I was looking at this young lady that was handing. I'm thinking to myself, I've been going to Super Bowl since she's probably been born. Because she's, right? you know, like in her early 20s, right. right? I'm thinking to myself, yeah, it's getting up there. I think maybe I'm going to hit either 25 or 30 and then call it a day. Yeah. It, uh, How many is this for you? I think it's like 14, yeah. 14 or 15. And then Mike Clemens, this is his 17th. Wow. So he's been doing it a long time. Uh, and we were, we were talking about the setup here. It, spacious room. Love it. The walk, yeah. I don't know who thought of this. Yeah. And, and, and for those that don't know, I mean, behind the scenes stuff. It's to get into this place is just a, it's a myriad, bit of a corn maze. Yeah, it's a it's a corn maze, and it's going. It's starting here, and then you get your credentials, and you got to walk downstairs, and the entire opposite end of the convention center, and around. And I'm not talking like it's a hundred yards. It's no. like three, four hundred yards. That's the funny thing about Vegas is like you know you think oh it's close yeah. You know, you see one hotel on one strip, and you're on the other end of the strip. Oh, it's close. No, it's not. No. Like a 25-minute walk yeah. if you got to go from one place to another. It home. was for us to get out of the car, get in, walk around the place, and then get up here was 45 minutes. What do you think of Vegas as a Super Bowl city? I think they've got to work out the kinks, but I think it would be uh, a fun place. Um, I, I like all the options for all the different things that we can do. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I still think I, I, I like a place like New Orleans. Oh, my uh, favorite. I, I love Phoenix. Uh, Miami was okay. The convention center was a little bit yeah. small. It was a tight fit down there. Um, San Francisco, I absolutely hated. Uh, really? Yeah, well, Santa Clara is farther yeah. away. And then trying to stay within that area, especially when you got a staff, it, it's a nightmare because of traffic. And obviously... <laughs> Did you go to Jacksonville? Uh, Jacksonville was a nightmare, too. I, I, Jacksonville was, yeah, Jacksonville yeah. was terrible. Um, the, the one thing about Vegas that concerns me is, and let's face it, this, this city's overpriced. I mean, yeah. everywhere you go. The Super Bowl, I think... It's a corporate event. We all know that. Mm. But there are still fans that like to come to the city for right. the week, hang out, do things, you know, go to this, check this out, whatever. Um, I'm just afraid that you're losing just a lot of those blue-collar fans yeah. just because of the price of the city. Right? Yeah. I mean, we went for Mexican food last night. Quote, authentic Mexican food, 243 U.S. for three people. I think we have wow. like two drinks apiece. And the margaritas at this authentic Mexican place, and I'm using air quotes here, right. came in pint glasses. Come on. <laughs> right? Seriously. Anyway, that's my rant. Yeah, for the it day. was, uh, it, I mean, we went uh, to a couple of nice places over the last couple of days, but it's, it's, you're right about the price. There is nothing here that is cheap anymore. It used to be the place to come, and yeah. then they've got you via the casinos. Not anymore. They get you everywhere. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter where you go. Now, I think if you're ever going to send it, set it up permanently, I, I Indianapolis is a cold weather city, but I think Indy's always been built for championships. I love Arizona. I love New Orleans. New Orleans knows how to host a party. Yeah. 
uh, no doubt about that. Um, if they can control the crime in New Orleans, it'd be an even more pleasant place to grow, place place to go. But no, it's 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 uh, it's it's for those that have never done it or been to a place like this before, it's a great first time experience. But you don't want to do it every year. Yeah, you don't want to do it every yeah. year. So no doubt. Everything else good? Everything else is good. Um, like I said, I mean, down here, looking forward to the week and catching up with a lot of people. It's You know what it's like. I mean, you walk around here. You've been around for a few years. You, you, it's like a convention for us, yeah, right? it's our family reunion. Yeah, it's man. our family reunion. So you get to see a lot of people and say hello and, you know, talk some football with people. By the way, you're Packers this year. I know we're going to talk to you later on our show. Yeah. Man, what a second-half turnaround. Right? Right? Never saw that coming. Offensive line got healthy. Yeah. Running back I got going. Yeah. Love started looking good. Never saw that coming. Future's uh, looking good there in Green Bay. Man, you should have beat San Francisco. I know, right? Yeah. I know. Good to see you, bud. All right, Bill. Appreciate awesome. It. Thank you Talk so you much. Feel. No worries. Going to go ahead and take a quick break. We got more. Two hours down, two hours yet to go. Don't go anywhere. More of the Bill Michael Show coming up next. Next.